following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Florida, we're thinking about you. We're thinking about you. Absolutely. Hurricane Ian wreaking havoc through Florida, central Florida. It looked rough, man. What, 20, 160 mile per hour wind gusts or something like that? Crazy. Did it get that high? I know Troy's been covering it. He's been watching closely. How Jim, high did the winds get? Uh, oh, good question. Uh, I know that they were actually, when they hit landfall, lit, that when it hit landfall, it was one mile an hour under what would be registered as a Category 5. Oh, my God. Like upper end of a Cat 4. Oh, my God. Jim Cantore nearly ate it already this afternoon. Mm, he's in he's in his form. Not his final form, but all the <sighs> finest. He, he, uh, he, he nearly took a tree to the back. Man. It's like, dude, okay, listen, you're, you're brave. Yeah, we get it, okay? You're not going to get out of there alive uh, if, you're not, no. if you're not paying better attention. I, I think that's enough for me. That I don't want to move to Florida. No. I know that's a very popular place to spend your final days or whatever. But, uh, I mean, tornadoes, yes, we, we're in Tornado Alley. Mm-hmm. But a hurricane takes up like half of Florida when it rolls through. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, oh. you know, as it weakens, it goes up through Georgia and South Carolina. Right. And yeah, sometimes I just, they make it up to even like New York. Well, yeah. and you had the last hurricane, the one that hit Puerto Rico, Went all the way up to Canada, completely bypassed our eastern seaboard, but went into Canada, That's causing issues. That's so crazy. I, I, I retweeted just a little while ago a satellite image that someone had sent out of it, uh, yeah, via Google Earth, that just shows how this bad boy has shaped up. That's nuts. And, and so, dude, look, look at that. Look for uh, look for Thor Benson's good lord tweet oh with God. that Google Earth and. and you know, and right now, all of that cloud cover that's just sitting off the east coast of the U.S. that extends all the way up to the east coast of Canada as well. Mm. And it's feeding this one monster yeah. that has covered the entire state of Florida. I, uh, by the way, joked this morning, I don't think that uh, Mother Nature wants Big Sky Conference teams to ever play Florida in football. Eastern Washington is scheduled to play UF on yeah. on Sunday now. This is the second time they've tried to get that game in. Oh, is it really? Wow. Two, two years ago, they got moved because of Mother Nature. And in 17, UNC was to have played there, and Hurricane Irma kept us from going. Wow. So, I hope the money's worth it. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah. that's a, they, Interestingly, UF still paid a pretty good chunk of that dollar amount to UNC for, for that trip to make up for the fact that we, we stayed at least flexible in trying to Change things up that week. It was an adventure. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berklin is with us. He's on the phone right now. Might be taking some hurricane questions. (laughs) (laughs) We got some experts calling in be like, uh... These guys yeah, are just spreading fake news, and let I'll them, clear let, it up for you. Let me tell you, boys. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Was it hurricane-related Ray Beyond? What are you saying? The was call. The what was the, the call? call? Was oh, it was just Steven reminding me something. Oh, <laughs> my God. Big Steve calling plays from home. <laughs> you got to hey. listen to the boss. Yeah. Hey. 
<laughs> Just get some ice on that elbow. We'll talk to you yeah, tomorrow. Right. No, right. I don't want to make light. Big Steve, Thanks I really thought, Rogers. I thought about you. Uh, I thought about your arm today. Wow. Not you, your arm. I thought about the, and the muscle coming off the bone, dude. Like, hey, pal, you rest easy. Esteban Grande. Well, you guys know what today is? The 28th. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Oh. You know what that means. AEW oh. Dynamite tonight yeah. from Philly, PA, boys and girls. Woo-hoo. The new ROH World Champion Chris Jericho will be in appearance. Oh. The World Champion John Moxley is going to be wrestling. We're going to hear from MJF tonight. Oh and he's the top heel in wrestling today. My head's going to explode. And also, I'm sure we'll see the new <laughs> tag team champions. AEW Dynamite from uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium this right past on. Wednesday was awesome. Whoa. Probably it might have been the best Dynamite of all time so far. Yeah, really, really good. But that also means Derek Young. D.Y. From K-State Online is joining us via the Zoom. D.Y., have you ever been caught in a really nasty storm? Have I ever been caught in a real nasty storm? You know that that tornado that blew through Kansas City a couple years ago? It almost yeah. it was almost on the ground in downtown. That was that was pretty close. Uh, it, it's interesting. There was a tornado that went through Iowa City a year and a half after I moved uh, from there, but it hit the apartment that I lived in in Iowa City and smashed it. Ooh. So so I, I dodged that by a year and a half. I missed out on a couple of close calls with tornadoes. One tornado, when I was still in high school, went right in between Morganville and Clay Center. I mean, directly between the two towns. Whoa. And like, I was getting calls from work. They're like, hey, don't come in. We, there's like tornadoes and stuff. Just wait till it passes. <laughs> and I, and I, I probably left my house like two minutes after it passed. I, but it wasn't on the ground. I didn't get to see it. I've never seen a tornado. Have you guys seen a tornado before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a place uh, a, a town in Ohio, Xenia, Ohio, and it's really it's literally called Tornado Town. They were hit by four F5s in a span of nine years. It's like don't build there no more. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? That's a message. Don't do it, Mitch. You want to see a tornado so bad, and you drove. You got it in the garden. Oh, I was hoping I was. <laughs> yes, I was hoping I was going to chase it for a second. You're like, I oh, here's my shot. Oh, that's too. And bad. I, and it wasn't. It lifted. Oh, before I, I could. A, bl- a, bl- a blizzard's a storm. I drove. We drove oh. home from Ames, and that blizzard was that 2017, I think. Oosh, that was bad. Yeah, that like that, that kind of gets tossed to the side a little. Blizzards ain't no joke, man. Oh, yeah. There's the real deal. You you can get lost in your front lawn, man. We're going to Xenia, Ohio. The whole crew <laughs> plus DY. We're going, and we're gonna we're gonna get you to see a tornado up close and personal, and then we're getting the heck out of there. I've never talked sports while chasing a tornado, Oof. and really, who has? <laughs> Let's be the first. Let's do to it. do it. There was there was one time. It was like it was just a lightning storm. There was no rain, but a friend of mine and I were driving back from Manhattan to Clay Center. We were just having a day in Manhattan. And, uh, I mean, lightning strikes all around us the entire drive home. I remember it was nighttime, so like nobody was on the roads. Ooh. And I remember the clouds was just basically, it looked like one fluffy pillow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There wasn't yeah. much detail in the, in the clouds. It was just one solid cloud and just looked like a pillow. Like, oh. it looked real fluffy. Oh, man. And just lightning the whole time. It strike like every five seconds next to the truck. 
Dang. It was scary, but we made it back safe and sound with no issues. All right, D.Y., nice. let's talk some cats. All right, so Adrian Martinez, I wouldn't have called him a tornado after that one. He covered some ground, but it wasn't exactly a spin cycle. However, it was a very productive day of 382 yards all-purpose, five total touchdowns. Compared to the two-lane game, would you call it a night-and-day difference? Would you go that far? Yeah, that was a night-and-day difference. Uh, just, uh, I think, mental approach, right? And like almost like a philosophical, that was the night-and-day difference. He went from kind of being, af- I'm going to say afraid, I don't know what the better word is, but hesitant to pick up extra yardage on the ground, went out of bounds a little bit earlier than he needed to, slid a little bit earlier than he needed to, wouldn't throw the ball downfield in the tight windows, uh, you know, threw it to his check down at times as soon as the play started, just zero confidence or conviction in anything that he was doing. And then he gets to Norman and he's a completely different quarterback. He's throwing it into tight windows. He's throwing it with confidence. He's bulldozing. I think he carried some defenders with him a couple times while he was running on the ground. He didn't, you know, come up short on some of those slides and, and going out of bounds. So just an entire different approach, a more aggressive a sense of urgency from him. Yeah, I agree. And especially with what was impressive as well was the offensive line. Man, I, I tell you what, Connor Riley is dealing with a lot of adversity so far this yeah. year. And th- that's also a, a unit that was just coming off a bad game. I, it just felt messy. Nobody had a great game. And it wasn't perfect against Oklahoma, but improved. I mean, do you almost see that as more impressive because of adversity that Connor Riley is dealing with with that bunch of cramps, injuries, whole bunch of things? Uh, he's he's earning his paycheck this year. That's for sure. Um <laughs> He's uh, he's having to he's having to earn his money as a coach this season. They, th- that's the unluckiest position mm-hmm. um, across the board. Right? We were thinking, man, safety is going to be the question mark of the team. Now it's a strength, and it's had a lot of things go its way in offensive line. Yet, cramps from BB, cramps from Leviston, Panzer playing a little banged up, Taylor Portier out for the season, Andrew Langang out indefinitely. Um, they just can't catch a break. And to think that through all of that, playing the top five team in the country on the road, um, all that adversity, still persevering, still playing well enough. They haven't given up a sack against an FBS team yet this year. They haven't given up a sack since week one, and that was the South Dakota. And I love watching 9 a.m. maneuver in the pocket. It's like at times he has eyes in the back of his head when he steps up and either fires away, like he was more willing to fire it away instead of just taking off and trying to pick up a few yards. He, 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 he would just gallop, like he would take a couple of gallops up into the pocket and just deliver a really nice strike. I, I did love the performance and improvement from 9 a.m., of course, in the offensive line in that Oklahoma game. Let's move to the defensive side of the football. I just want to know your feelings about the defense after that after that game. I mine were a little bit mixed, but I did lean towards positive. But what do you think about the defense? Uh I would still lean positive. I know they give up a ton of yards, 34 points, really 27, right? I mean, they weren't really trying to stop Oklahoma from scoring in that last possession. They were trying to make Oklahoma spend a lot of time and and use up the entire clock, and they essentially did. They achieved that mission. So I, I, I don't necessarily even count that last drive just because of the situational circumstances. I thought they played well enough. Oklahoma's tough. I mean, 
we got to remember, Oklahoma's got a pretty good offense. Dylan Gabriel's not a bad quarterback. Uh, Jeff Levy's not a bad offensive coordinator. They got some studs. Marvin Mims might be a top five wide receiver in the entire uh, college football um, across the board. So they got some dudes and that are hard to guard, and you're going to give up some chunk plays. Now, there was a few busted coverages where there was probably self-inflicted wounds that they need to clean up and prevent from reoccurring. But all in all, I thought they did well enough um, and were very respectable on the evening. And it probably would, wouldn't have been that way if they weren't so good on third and fourth down. They won. The offense won because they were the way they scored and they, the way they were moving the ball and the way that Adrian Martinez played. But the defense won because they got off the field. Yeah, and that first drive, I told Wyatt on Monday, that first drive told the story like, okay, Adrian is now a different player. The offense is moving the football. They converted. He he was going to throw the ball. He was going to run the ball better than he did against Tulane. He converted three third downs on that opening drive with his feet. And that, that opening drive for a touchdown was just so crucial into setting the tone for that game. Now... Derek Young from K-State Online is our guest. Uh, Flanders, as a matter of fact, Grant Flanders put up some just excellent content. I thought it was a great read with the power rankings that he does. And right now has K-State at number two in the Big 12 power rankings. I would like to know, do you agree with that, or where would you put the Cats? I, I like that he's bullish on the Cats. I am too. I just don't know if they're they they're deserving of the number two at this point. That's all. Um, I'd almost have K-State and KU tied. Um, probably not at number two, but I think I would have those two tied. Um, and essentially they are, right? I think in the AP poll are 25 and 26. So mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. KU is undefeated, and Kansas State does have a pretty bad loss, but Kansas doesn't have a win. That comes close to sniffing what Kansas State did against Oklahoma and Norman, in my opinion. Uh, Duke's a pretty – I mean, they were undefeated, but I think that's a pretty flawed football team. Houston it looks rough. Yeah. So – so that win has really lost its luster. Um, but I would have K-State and KU with the same. But I try to think of who all would be ahead of K-State and KU. Um, Oklahoma State and Baylor, I would think I would have both of those ahead of K-State. And I know Baylor's lost already, but I still I think I would have them slightly ahead of K-State and KU. Baylor, still a better loss than K-State, right? They lost to BYU mm-hmm. in overtime. So, uh, no, I like Baylor and I like Oklahoma State. That might be it, though. I think I think that is it. So maybe tied for third. Yeah, that's where I lean to with KU. I think that would be fair. But that actually leads me to my next question, and this will be the last one before we take a break here, DY. But uh, so K State's ranked, KU is not. If you were voting, would you have ranked KU? I probably would have. I'd, I'd have to see and break down which teams I'm leaving out and if I would want to do that. But I, I think I would have ranked KU. I would have. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Kansas State was ranked, though. I know that's a really, really good win, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that they lost to Tulane a week earlier. <laughs> there were a handful of voters that had K-State in the top 15. I, I think I counted two or three. I think that's what yeah, that- catapulted them. That does it, that surprise you? That kind of surprises me. I I wasn't I actually wasn't expecting Kansas State to be in the top twenty five. I no, it didn't surprise me. It, it surprised me that KU wasn't ranked. 
Yeah, I could, yeah, for sure. I still surprised Kent State was, especially, and and I think this is it's a we can laugh about it now because they responded by beating Oklahoma. But I I don't know if we're paying attention enough to the fact that Tulane lost to Southern Miss. Yeah, the, the next yeah, game they did. If if Adrian just wasn't so sexy against Oklahoma, <laughs> if he just wasn't an absolute star and K-State doesn't score 42 points, instead they score like 24 and win 24-21 or something like that, then you know, maybe, I, I don't know. I was on a, just a, on a Omaha radio station because they wanted to talk about Adrian Martinez still to this day. And uh, it was interesting because sexiness came up in that conversation as well. It came up for me because we were talking about the Big 12 and why, you know, and some of the teams, and I said, I don't think Baylor is getting enough credit right now, but I think it's because they're the opposite of sexy. They're, they're <laughs> the, the way they play. Yeah. They don't have they don't have any explosiveness on offense. They don't go fast on offense, and they they win by kind of doing a smoke and mirrors thing on offense and playing really good defense. Their their play style is as dull as Dave Aranda's personality. <laughs> and it, well, and the color green. I just don't like, think green's that sexy. It's yeah, it's not a but, color but, but, that I like. But you look up. And the next thing you know, Baylor's are still a really good football team. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they certainly are. You mentioned Oklahoma State as well. I, I would I would put them in the top two. They haven't played anybody yet, but they haven't done anything that would say, well, they're, they're, they're not going to be a great team. Yeah, uh, I can understand for some people that are still have the pause button on Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. They've played uh, – what did uh, Gordon Gee, the, when he was a president of Ohio State, he called them the little sisters of the poor when he was talking about the – um, the, the the small school teams. Yes. That's what Oklahoma State. That's what Oklahoma State's played so far. Uh, we'll we'll find out a lot about Oklahoma State in the next two weeks, right? I think they play Baylor and Iowa State. Yeah, Baylor next, I, I believe. Um, I'll double check that. But we'll take a break, Dy. And when we come back, we'll we'll jump and do some hoops because there's a new commit. And uh, Dy, fill us in about that guy coming up next on the game here on News Radio KMAN. We are off at 5.40 today. K-State Volleyball is coming up, and uh, that means Rob Velker. He, since they're on the road, so they're – I'm actually, I'm just blanking. Right? Who, who's volleyball playing? Texas Tech. That's right. They're in Lubbock. Well, that's right. Yeah, United and, Supermarkets Arena. And when he gets in, like when he comes in to do volleyball, it's like, get out of his Get out. Way. He's kicking everybody out. Yeah, he's that kind of got that – Attitude, oh, God. you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm big bad Rob Velker, he's the pirate taking over the ship. Absolutely, get out of the way, shut up, and get out of my way. That's his attitude, man. And uh, so we're out of 540, so he has some mm-hmm. time to uh, get things ready and hit the airwaves at 545. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, David G, Travion Berkland, and uh, back for another segment with Derek Young from K State Online at D Young KSO. He's also with the Three Mile Podcast, and of course, Power Cat Game Day with myself and Cole Manbeck. DY, uh, pretty cool. Um, well, you weren't there, but um, Marquise Noel, Naquan Tomlin were both sitting down at Tanner's this past Saturday with John Kurtz and Cole Manbeck. Um, was there, uh, did we learn anything from that sit down this past Saturday? Were you able to uh, recap what happened? Uh, yeah, I watched it. Uh, they kind of, 
the divulged what the whole Shark Week thing was, which I've been curious about. I don't know if you saw the shirts. Yeah, the shirts. And, uh, talking about it. It's called Shark Week. Basically, that was like the week before practices officially started, or maybe two weeks. I don't know. Or they just conditioned yep. hard, I guess, or just uh, really busted them and got them into shape. And uh, one of some of the more challenging workouts that they've ever underwent according to Marquise Noel. So I thought that was interesting. Um, kind of just kind of a grueling week or two uh, right before practices start to kind of get back into the, the swing of things. Um, and then some conversation about Keontae Johnson that I thought was interesting because they obviously asked about the, the Florida transfer and, um, and I've, I've heard he's kind of just kind of slowly recalibrating and getting back into the swing of things. But Naquan Toblin said he was floored by his conditioning level. So I guess that hasn't really been a challenge. And apparently he showed up in Manhattan ready to go and well in shape because his conditioning level kind of jumped off the page. And uh, Marquis Noel, I thought it was funny. He's like, I didn't know he was as good as that, as what he has been. So I think it's interesting because he was an all, he was first team all SEC. And, and I don't know that Marquis Noel was aware of that. Yeah, I figured their shark week was some sort, you know, another name for hell week. And maybe just a little bit more branding you could put on it, calling it Shark Week. Uh, um, a little more tie into the actual Shark Week. It uh, seems like yeah, a grind itself. In, until Discovery comes after you for copyright violations. Well, as long as they're not selling anything, right? I think that's – is that the rule? Like they just can't yeah. sell yeah, anything? I don't think you can solicit. They have their yeah. own shirts, but I guess you just can't sell them. I mean, I can make my own Shark Week T-shirt if I wanted to, I'm sure. Just as long as I'm not, you know, trying to sell it to anybody. But uh, Derek Young from Case Line is our guest. So we uh, got a new commitment for 2023 and uh, the first Ford of the class. Maybe this is the one that's going to take Keontae Johnson's spot on the roster when he departs after this one season here at K State. But uh, the third commitment is Michaela Rich from East St. Louis, Illinois, yeah. a three-star kid. Um, Dy, what should we know about this guy? Well, I think he'll probably be a four-star across the board in the near future. On three is going to have new rankings where I believe he'll be in the top 50. It sounds like Rivals is the same. I think he's already there on 247. So he'll be a consensus four-star prospect before it's all said and done um, from the sound of it. He's a really freaky kind of athlete, really springy, bouncy, high flyer, plays well above the rim, um, good finisher at the rim, can basically guard all the – every single position on the floor. So uh, Jerome Tank kind of recruit, if you, if you think about it in that way, like a really freaky athlete that can really hop and, and really get after it on the defensive end. Um, if you ask me what I was going to say is the stereotypical guy that Jerome Tank's chasing, um, that kind of fits the criteria. He's a little bit more raw in the offensive skill department, especially with the jump shot. If, that, if, he, if he's able to really develop a jump shot and really round out that form of his game, um, I'm talking about a very, very high ceiling type player. Well, that's awesome news. Now, what also stood out to me, I watched a little film on him today. So I couldn't really find any numbers, but I, I started watching some film because I had seen what you had typed up about him on uh, on three K State Online just to see if I, that matched up with your uh, with your synopsis of his uh, ability to play basketball. But I also noticed the hair, and I made the comparison of. Doesn't it look like he has the same hair as like Uso Siamalu? Not as big, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like baby Uso hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shout out to him. Shout out to Uso and, for his yeah. two uh, 
two passes deflected at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he's a large man. Coach Climate, Coach Climate said that Uso is going to get some more snaps, and and I, I know I put it in our group chat, and I'm sure you saw Mitch, but I I, I kind of been asking for that almost just because I'm intrigued because I understand why he's only getting the snaps that he is. He's kind of a work in progress, but boy, does he flash when he does play though? Well, I know, uh, and we'll wrap up here, D.Y., that is, and I'll let you uh, talk about him, about there is going to be a basketball recruit visiting this weekend? Two of them. Two of them. Um, both official visitors, different classes, though. It's interesting. I don't know if, I don't think it's this way in football. Basketball, you can take five official visits as a junior, and if you don't commit, you can still take five more as a senior. Hmm. Um, and you can go to the same one, even. I feel like that's the rules. Um, maybe I don't have the exact numbers, but you can take as a junior and senior. That's why there's a 2024 recruit, Patrick Gongba, top 100 guy in the 24 class. Um, he's a big. Um, they're they having him in as an official visit, and he's a high school junior, class of 2024. It'll probably be Kansas State or Georgetown, at least early on. That's what it appears. And it, uh, also another, I guess, carrot or cherry on top of the Sunday is he is cousins for very close cousins because they're also high school teammates with the number 15 player in the country in the 24 class as well and that's Isaiah Abraham now the other official visitor though is not Abraham he won't be there with Gong but the other official visitor is Cameron Carr and I know you know yeah. him well Mitch sure um, he's the son of former women's basketball assistant Chris Carr so he played in Manhattan High for a while now he's at link academy where rodney perry used to coach so a lot of uh, connections and ties associated with cameron carr he's actually being recruited and he was already offered and took a visit to northwestern and their assistant is who chris lowry former k-state coach give me the name again of the of the kid that's it, it seems like right now between k-state and georgetown patrick gongba but th- there's an n at the beginning of his last name, a silent N. Well, Patrick, if, if you're listening, I just want to say real quick that when I lived in New York City, K-State and Georgetown fans during basketball season shared the same bar for watch parties. And there were a couple of times that we would be at the bar at the same time watching separate games. Um, Georgetown has really – they were boring. It was amateur hour snooze fest yeah. with a reaction <laughs> – to uh, the games they were playing. Just didn't care, yeah. hardly watched, but they were there as like to check a box. Like, hey, I'm doing my part of being a good fan. K-State fans were going nuts every single game. It didn't matter if it was McNeese State or KU. They showed up every game and made a rowdy response to plays all the time. So think about That's that. I, I will say, and maybe I'm sure you would have still said that, but his mom does coach at Georgetown. I stand by what I just said. I, I heard her name's on the hot seat right now. You know, <laughs> she's uh, they said she's on Jeff, the way Jeff, out. Jeff, Jeff Minnie's going to hire her. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> all right, Dy. Good stuff once again. That's all I got for you. Thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you on Saturday, bright and early for Powercat Game Day. See you then. Derek Young from K-State Online. Follow him on Twitter. He's got a ton of followers. If you're not one of them, you're missing out on the content. At KSO, part of K-State Online, the Three Mile Podcast, and, of course, Powercat Game Day. When we come back, wasn't able to do it yesterday. We had a short show. My top ten list of the week after the break.
Yeah, 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 yeah. The game came in. Get those headphones on right. If you miss any of the show, like if you just missed what all the fun facts DY was dropping, make sure to hit us up on uh, SoundCloud. That's where we upload the show by the hour. Just search for the game came in or search that very same thing on wherever you get your podcasts. I personally yeah. use Spotify. Hmm. I just uh, go to 1350kman.com. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. That's uh, my fave. Uh, Troy, or Trey posts uh, the podcast on official stories. Yeah. Ray Beyond. Real quick before we do this, well, how was your second music festival in as many weeks? Um, it was good. It was long and it was hot and I am sore and tired, but hmm. it was really cool. Well, who was the best band that you saw? Uh, probably the Chili Peppers. They were pretty... I think as far as like a bunch of the live bands I've seen, they're really tight. And I mean, you can't go wrong with like their many, 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 many hits. So. <laughs> yeah. But that was a sweaty, sweaty time in the pit. So and no fires, <laughs> no fires. No. I mean, you had you had a recipe for a replay of Woodstock '99, if you ask yeah. me. <laughs> Any Woodstock '99 could have popped off. You know, like it would get, especially at Riot Fest too. It got crazy, and I would try to be front row for things, and it was just like constant, constant crowd surfing, and mm-hmm. even for Kiss, constant crowd surfing. I was Whoa. super uh, surprised. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. There was an audience that didn't need canes and watching kit oh wait i first concert i ever saw was kiss speaking of i haven't seen kiss speaking of while kiss was performing i saw a lady in a wheelchair oh god being crowd surfed oh, yeah. it's the craziest thing i've ever seen i've seen that i've seen that a handful of times yes. really i was like this is insane i've never seen anything like this. <laughs> i love that that's a, that's good tremendous for good for her that's awesome you saw, also saw, was that the show or the the uh, festival you saw the Misfits with Danzig? That was Riot Fest that in Chicago. That was, okay. yeah, yeah. That was an intense pit as well just because. The pit. It was, re- no, it was really, like, intense because people were, like, literally fighting. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> like, there was a security guard. This guy was getting in a fight with one of the security guards, and, like, he was like, you need to go home. And he was like, okay. <laughs> 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 Go back okay. to your hotel and hydrate. Okay. All right, you guys ready for my top ten list of the week? So ready. I think this is. Uh, I wanted an extension, extended celebration on the win over Oklahoma. So my top ten list this week are my top ten favorite plays in the last five wins over Oklahoma. My top ten plays, and we're talking 12, 14, 19, 20, and twenty-two. The years they took place. So let's get started. And I got the play-by-play. Number ten. High formation set now with twin receivers to the right side. K-State will run it. Here's Deuce. Deuce breaks a tackle. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. He's in the house. He's in the house. Touchdown, Cats. K-State right in this ball game with 8.17 to go. They have a chance to tie it with the extra point. It's 35 to 34. So obviously a lot of highlights in that 2020 game and that comeback. They were down 35-14, but that was the tying touchdown. Deuce Vaughn had a better run or a better catch and run in that game. But that's number 10 because of Wyatt's call. He's in the house. He's in the house. Touchdown, Cats. Awesome Awesome call. Awesome. Number nine. Number nine takes us to 2019. Down to 53 seconds. Jalen Hurts. Backwards pass. It is another trick play. Baskin pulls it down. Now he's going to fire one. A 
Now, I don't know who was producing that game for ESPN, but they had the crowd mics cranked. <laughs> Bob Wischusen is not exactly a quiet man at the microphone. No. And that was when, you know, it was right before the half, Nick Basquin throws a pass that was accurately thrown, but the receiver lets it go off his hands. A.J. Parker returns it to the Oklahoma 14. And I remember that one. That was my first game as the PA announcer, filling in for Dave that day. I think that might have been the second loudest roar in that game. I mean, the place was going nuts. And that was a play that led to K-State taking the lead against Oklahoma in 2019. My top ten list, favorite plays, last five wins over Oklahoma. Trying to become the all-time leader in the Big 12 and made field goals in a career. And he missed it wide to the left. I can't believe he hooked it. Considered by many to be the best kicker in all of college football. And he hooked that thing dead left. So, that, that was not a K-State offensive play, if you could tell. That was with 3.53 to go, and K-State's up a point. 31-30 to in 2014 in Norman. And Michael Honeycutt, yes, was the best kicker in the country. He missed two field goals that day and had an extra point blocked. And that was the final attempt. That field goal was from... Let's see here. That was from 19 yards away. Yeah. That was a 19-yard field goal that he hooked left. Bad. A horrible miss. That was horrible. And K-State, yeah, <laughs> choked, absolutely. And K-State, I mean, they, they needed some luck, yep. certainly in that 2014 game. But uh, they uh, they certainly got it done. Number seven. Number seven, back to 2020. Sooners first and 10 at their own 42-yard line. Play fake. No, they give it to McGowan, and the ball is loose, and the Wildcats have it. Drew Wiley has it. It was knocked away, and K-State's got it with Drew Wiley. That was the play where John McPherson speared a dude, and the ball just <laughs> pops out. And Drew Wiley recovered it. That was a... Uh, just, I just love it for the hit. That was, cool. that was a fantastic hit by Jerron McPherson, who had a, a really good season that year of, mm-hmm. uh, of solid hits. All right. Number six. Number six. We're going back to the defense in 2014. If they get a safety, <laughs> you have nothing to say. Here's first down and 11, all right? And there's a pick six intercepted by McDaniel for a touchdown. Wow. Trevor Knight threw it right to him. As McDaniel jumped the route and scores. Yeah, a bonehead play by Trevor Knight, and it might have been the shortest pick six in K-State history. Five yards. <laughs> the five-yard pick six by Danzel McDaniel. So so much for that need for the safety. Yeah. <laughs> Got the six. Number five. 2012. Line, play fit. Sets up deep in the pocket to the sideline. Oh, what a catch. Chris Harper. Quality reception, a gain of 21 and a first down in front of Aaron Colvin. So, there are a lot of highlights from that 2012 game, obviously. But that that Chris Harper catch in the third quarter, where Colin had to throw the most accurate pass ever right by the K-State sideline, that is still one of my favorite catches in K-State history. Because I still don't understand how Chris Harper caught that ball. It still just baffles me how that even... How that even happened? And that guy it's was still good. weird. That guy was so good. That was a 21-yard catch uh, into Oklahoma territory, but I don't believe K-State scored on that drive. All right, top ten list of my favorite K-State plays. Well, not just K-State plays, I suppose, but uh, plays against Oklahoma in the last five wins. Number four. Back to 2012. Here's Jones under pressure now. Jones lost it. Picked up. Touchdown, K-State. 
Oh, man, K-State in that 2012 game, it took a while for the offense to really get going. Defensively, they got some momentum going. With Landry Jones being sacked by Justin Tuggle, forced the fumble, and what a nice scoop because it was an awkward bounce for Jarrell Childs, and he was also running towards the football. It's about to bounce between his legs. Just made a nice catch off the bounce and just tumbles into the end zone. A sweet Sweet play. Number three. Back to 2020. Skyler, a two-step drop, throws into the middle. This is caught 40, 45 midfield. This is Deuce Vaughn, and he will score, I think. He's at the 10, 5, and to the goal line. They're going to mark him out at the 1. Wow, what a play by Oklahoma to catch a very speedy guy, but Deuce Vaughn all the way to the 1. That was the play we knew Deuce Vaughn was the man. He was the man. 77-yard catch. Gus Johnson thought he had scored. Called the touchdown. Wyatt was expecting him to score. He was short by a yard. But that's when Deuce Vaughn was born, in my opinion. On that play, that led to a touchdown to make it a two-score game. Top ten plays that are my favorite in the last five wins over Oklahoma. Number two. This is more of a sequence from 2019. It's a three. You can't hear what the hell the referee's saying, but that pop was the loudest of the game. I'm sitting in a restaurant slash bar in Breckenridge Mm. that afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I have have no audio, and I'm watching as best I can amidst everything else going on because no one else in the restaurant really cares. (laughs) How the hell do you not care? That was a great dramatic ending. It was a, it's a November day in Breckenridge. <laughs> if it's on the Broncos, they're like, we don't. Well, no, that then they would care. But it was also a 55 degree Saturday, the weekend before Thanksgiving, oh. beautiful weekend, or at least beautiful start to the weekend. A lot of people were out, so it wasn't high on their list. But I'm watching like I, as best I can while having that meal, because I've missed most of the game at that point. And I'm trying to figure out just what in the blue blazes is going on it throughout that entire sequence. My favorite part of that, watching back like the TV broadcast, I had to hear myself, you know, announce the game because mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I, I did pretty well. I was, I was proud of myself. Yeah. Uh, there was a uh, cut to a fan after that onside kick was recovered by Oklahoma. And he's like up there, Ric Flair wooing all over K State. I was like, you, I was like, <laughs> I wonder what that turn is up to these days. I, <laughs> but man, I tell you what, what a, that review took. Five ever. It took forever. But finally, number one. You know where I'm going. My favorite play in the last five wins over Oklahoma. Sooner showing blitz. Will they indeed come? Back to throw is Martinez. Third and 16. He'll take off and run the ball. He's at the midfield stripe to the 40, to the 35, to the 30. First down, 20, 15, 10. Out of bounds inside the 10 yard line. Adrian Martinez. Unbelievable! That's the guy K-State signed up for. That's what they saw this summer and in fall practice. A dangerous, super fast runner. It's not number one just because it's the most recent. To me, it was the most clutch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, they were supposed to give the ball back to Oklahoma, 
and hope the defense goes out there and wins the game on a very dramatic final drive. Uh, it wasn't necessary. That wasn't necessary because Adrian improvised, ran for 55 yards, set up another touchdown where they're back up two scores, and the rest is history. Oh, man. Incredible. Yes. Yes. We had just put Sophia to bed. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, I'm doing my best muted. I'm doing the arm pump. What a play. And you know what's funny is he did kind of put the game away, but then they went on that last drive and scored, and I was like, oh, it could happen, you know. <laughs> this is, you know, he put it away, but not quite. It was weird. It was so weird. Yeah. Thank you once again, Cade Warner, <laughs> Mr. Hands himself. Yep. Oh, it was awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for hour one, hour two. Hey guys, we're not done. We're gonna talk Texas Tech football with Ryan Hyatt from theRaiderland.com. He's always a great interview, and I promise he lives up to it once again. And we're gonna kick it off at five ten with him. Number one song of the day. We'll try to get to some Ask Us Anything as well as we're out at 540. K-State Volleyball coming up at Texas Tech with Rob Velker at the call with First Serve just a few minutes after 6 o'clock. So stick around. A shorter but still a worth it. Hour two is coming up next with uh, Travion, DG, Troy, and myself. Your local news in two minutes.